talk about people in the world who are lost, a lost person, a saved person can look at an issue and maybe see the same issue, but have totally different ways on how do we go at that. Uh, Danny mentioned these very smart people. Take nothing from that. No matter how smart you are, if you're lost, you're broken. That's right. If you're broken, I don't care what you see that's broken inside the system. Broken people cannot fix broken things. Many social, cultural, and political issues confronting the church and God's people today are evolving at a rapid pace. It's easy to become confused and distracted by the many terms being used to define those issues, not to mention the unbiblical responses to them. The goal of the Gospel is Enough conference is to bridge some of the gaps that exist in discussing those issues biblically, practically as it relates to the power of the Gospel to transform hearts and lives. The Gospel is Enough conference is being hosted by Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett Friday, February 7th, and Saturday, February 8th. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. We have a packed studio, and we're looking forward to visiting with our guest today, Dr. Danny Sinkfield. Senior pastor at Faith Baptist Church, longtime friend of mine. Danny, you just had surgery recently. You're recovering well. Tell yeah, me, how thank you, you very much, Byron. Yes, we're um, on the mend, feel like a new man, and uh, ready for this great new year ahead. Of course, at Faith now, you said 25 years. Yeah, it's, it's hard to believe when you see me. I was uh, 10 years old when I came to be the pastor <laughs> at Faith Baptist. And, and uh, this past uh, fall, back in October, um, my wife Rhonda and I were um, honored and blessed by our church family, and we sure love Faith Baptist in Bartlett, Tennessee. Glad to also welcome in the studio today Dr. Lee Brand Jr., who is Vice President and Dean at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Brand, good to have you. Good to be here. Now, you walked in with a jacket that said Starkville on it. You look like a football player, too. So did you play football for Mississippi State? I, I did not. I played against a bunch of guys who played there. Um, I'm from another town, but I pastored in Starkville for almost 18 years mm-hmm. and uh, transitioned here in August of uh, last year. How's that transition been for you? It's been a lot of fun. It's a much different role than what I did. I served as a pastor um, there in Starkville, and so coming into an academic role, and uh, it's been been different, but it's been fun working with a lot, of, a lot of good, godly people, though. This Gospel is Enough conference hosted again at Faith Baptist Church on Friday, February 7th, and Saturday, February 8th, talking a lot about the Gospel and how it relates or doesn't relate to social justice The term social justice, I googled that search and found this definition. A concept of fair and just relations between the individual and society is measured by the distribution of wealth, opportunities for personal activity and social privileges. Should there be concerns here with this basic definition? You know, for me, and I won't speak for Brother Lee, I'm grateful to have this conversation because, you know, we know that there are issues in our society. There are justice issues. There are inequities. There's racism. We we understand that. And it's, uh, you know, it shows up in lots of places. What's happening, and um, I think most of your listeners will know, that many churches and just regular, ordinary, every Sunday church members are being confused by some terms that are being cast out there. What's happened, you know, as as the church has tried to speak to this, is really I think in some ways the church is being hijacked by the you know by the social sciences, humanities, by um, psychology and sociology and political science, and so what's happened is there's been this um, there's been this now infusion of what I would consider um, a worldly and non biblical response to the social justice issues and what we want to do is bring some biblical clarity to it yeah and so we have we have you know really sought across the country the best speakers on this subject 
and uh, we're really excited about hosting this conference. Why don't you give some examples of some of the concerns you have as you look at social justice? You know, for me personally, um, and again, I, I want to reset, I was born and raised in Memphis, and so um, I understand that we're a very, very uh, divided city in a lot of ways. There's, you know, racism that still exists, and um, we, we have a lot of work to do. The church has a lot of work to do to, you know, to see hearts changed and, and the culture changed. So, so for me, when someone approaches this problem of racism, and they would say something like this, that... It has to be a systematic change, you know, from the top down that people are stuck as victims or as oppressors. And then they might even add this language, even the gospel is not enough to change this. Well, I can quickly and totally disagree with that uh, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation uh, for everyone who believes. And then even when Paul was writing that in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he said this, to the Jew first and also to the Greek he, he, was, he was speaking to um, the division of cultures of his day, and uh, we know that the gospel is more than enough to change hearts, change families, change lives, and that when, when people come to know Christ, um, that wall of enmity is broken down, or it should be. And um, as we grow and are discipled and mature in our faith, we understand that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to be advocating for one another. Mm. And so I, I don't want I don't want the church to give away its God given role and responsibility to be change agents in our culture. Right. I, I don't want you know I don't want outsiders, non believers, and you know uh, a socialism model to be replaced with a gospel model. And that's what we're concerned about. What about for you, Doctor Lee? Well, I mean, my experience in some ways is similar. I'm from a very small town in Mississippi. Um, I would say probably not 4,000 people, uh, maybe not 3,000 people. My mother is white. My father's black. And um, I think in a lot of ways I've had to live a reality that people may maybe on not either side of this issue can identify with. But in so many ways I do uh, identify with, with, with Danny in saying that we can't push away the gospel for anything else. Um, when we talk about whatever the issue is, I think sometimes in the church, especially we have a tendency to be reactionary mm-hmm. to the extreme. We either wholeheartedly embrace this new thing and we take it in and we're going to just drink this in and we're going to go do this or we totally reject it. I don't think either one of those is correct because we live in a fallen world. I yes. think there are two realities of that. I think one of those is there's depravity. People are messed up. Whenever you have depravity, there's going to be disparity. But I think the church is uniquely positioned to deal with both of those issues, but you can't deal with either one if you forego the gospel. How do you feel that these lines are getting blurred by the church? I think uh, Dr. Brand spoke a wise word. He said sometimes we uh, you know, drink from the cup because there are smart people oh, yeah. and good people you know, who are, um, I think, in some ways mistaken uh, at some level because anytime you begin to um, acquiesce, the authority of Scripture, the authority of the gospel, to any man-made or uh, humanistic kind of philosophy, then then we're you know we're going down a, a dangerous path. Sure. And so that's that's my concern as well. And I think for me, I would probably go a little further than that. When you talk about people in the world who are lost, a lost person and a saved person can look at an issue and maybe see the same issue, but have totally different ways on how do we go at that. Uh, Danny mentioned these very smart people. Take nothing from that. No matter how smart you are, if you're lost, you're mm-hmm. broken. That's right. If you're broken, 
I don't care what you see that's broken inside the system. Broken people cannot fix broken things. That's it. And that's why I think the church has given up major ground because we're the people whom Christ has made whole. We can't divorce ourselves from the issues, but speaking to them from Scripture because we have the equipping of the Holy Spirit to handle these things. So social justice fundamentally isn't just caring for the needs of the poor then. Oh, no. I mean, I think if we're going to follow what I believe is the Jesus model, when he makes statements like you will have the poor with you always, sometimes I feel like if it's not our reality, and that's not a black thing, a white thing, it's not a color thing, whoever the person is, if this is not my reality, it's almost as if it does as if it doesn't exist. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's being biblical to look at life that way. Can we be gospel centered and still promote social justice? You know, I think the gospel does speak to the fact that we are to love uh, our enemies. Yes. We are to care for the poor, the widow, the needy. I, I think that really what's happened is, um, you know, the church is the responsible party here. I think that the gospel that is lived out in each of us as believers in uh, this, you know, new decade, the 2020s. Um, if we don't take um, our gospel very practically, then we are not biblical in our presentation of the of the Christian life. Certainly. I mean, we, we we've got to live that out, and that that looks like finding a need and meeting it. Yeah, it means caring for those that are that are that are broken. We say this all the time to our people. I, I'm not mad or even surprised at all when lost people live like lost people. I mean, they, they, that's their, you know, that's their, you know, that's their thing, their thought process. And so there's, there's just this brokenness. And I, I don't want to, again, I don't want to um, discount, you know, any good that can come from the humanities, the social sciences. But I do not want to superimpose the, the, the social sciences over the power of the gospel and the preaching of the message of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about the, the entirety of the issue and what we're looking at, I think to even pose the question for for anybody at this table, you know, should we be dealing with any social justice issues? I think sure, but here's the caveat. We can't let some person who doesn't know Christ and is not living biblically frame for us what social justice is. I'm not going to take on your definition of what that is. That's right. What is just within the society? I think the Bible has to frame even our definition of that. Why don't we talk about that for a second? What is the Bible's definition of justice? You know, if if I had to go, if if we're talking on a relational level, person to person, let me start there, because that's a lot of what I think the the worldly spinoff of social justice is. I think of things in terms of, of Paul's argument about the weaker brother. If I'm talking about a fellow believer who is facing some sort of negativity, whatever that may be, that's ungodly, it's my responsibility as his brother, if I know of that, if that's brought to my attention, to in some way, shape, or form deal with that, whatever that issue may be, whether that would be something as big as the whole model of if we use gentrification, if we took something like that, if that's a reality and I've had some experiences where I would probably maybe say some things that other people wouldn't see where I think that may be plausible and very much a reality for some people, then there needs to be some ways as men of God that we speak into that to make that right fair for the people who are being affected by that. But you don't do that at the expense of what's true. 
No, I agree with that exactly. And, you know, the, the fact is, when we start thinking about how does the gospel impact a, 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 a life or a heart, the truth of the matter is the gospel does have the power to change us from the inside in, uh, inside out. It makes us uh, who once were far off near. Sure. You know, I, I think that one of the things that happened in my life is, um, you know, again, living in Memphis, I, I came to know Christ as a young teenager, and I, I began to understand that, you know, just because someone lives on a different side of the ta- of town or has a different skin color is not it's not right to treat people differently. I mean, I was, you know, it, it came to me as, as I received Christ. But as we grow and mature, we also understand that we're, you know, we're the agents of God's hands or, you know, the hands and feet of Jesus to love, uh, to uh, care for. Um, one of my favorite places in this town to speak, and I have a chance, had a chance to do it recently, is the Memphis Union Mission. You know, boy, that's, that's, a, that's a gathering of all the race, all the, you know, tongues and tribes and nations. And, you know, it's the, it's the gospel you know, they, they appreciate the fact they get a good meal and a shower and in out of the cold. But the, the message, the power of what can change their lives is found in the truth of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, that he is the way, he's the truth, he's the life, he's our only hope. And when people begin to grow in that knowledge, I think we begin to recognize the inequities around us, the disparities around us. Um, you begin to pick up on, and, and I, we say to our folks all the time, there's no place in the Christian life for any form of race, racial uh, conversations, any kind of treatment of other people of any, of any flavor differently. We've got to love all people, and I think that's, that's, that's part of why I'm so adamant about this. Why don't we define the gospel? Why don't we get a clear biblical definition, Dr. Brand, of what the gospel is? Well, I thank you for deferring to the preacher and me. I know uh, <laughs> Brother Dan is well equipped to answer that. But for me, I mean, it is the it is the good news yes. of God sending his son into a human context to die for people like me who don't deserve anything but the punishment of an eternal hell, but having an opportunity to come to redemption. If I just believe that what Christ did in coming and living and him dying and being buried and rising from the dead paid completely for my sin, if I had to, to, to take from Agent Rogers will simply put my faith where God put my sin, mm. that's on Jesus. That's the gospel. Yeah, I, I would only add just an example to this. One of the things that um, I had the privilege of doing this past year in May, I traveled for the, it was the seventh or eighth time, over to Israel. Uh, we have some very dear friends who live and serve in the lower and upper Galilee, um, they're Arabic Baptists. They're Christian brothers and sisters. There's a seminary there in Nazareth, the Nazareth Baptist Seminary. There are uh, several churches, and I've, I've had a chance to speak to the grouping, the gatherings of those uh, pastors and leaders there. Uh, and they were telling us this. They were telling us that in that environment in the Middle East, in the land of Israel, there are roughly 2% of the population of Israel that are uh, Christian-related. Uh, that's that's a wide stretch because that's you know a lot of different uh, categories of Christianity. Right. Um, evangelical Christians are much smaller than that, and these Arabic brothers and sisters are a minuscule part, just very small percentage of the true Christian brothers and sisters who live in that land. They are literally not liked by just about everybody. If you think about Israel, and not everybody who lives in Israel is a Jew. In fact, a uh, large part of the majority are Muslims. They are. Yeah. They're Arabic yeah. Muslims. Yeah. And so here are some brothers who are Arabic. Uh, they're not Messianic Jews. You know, they're, they're, they're Arabic but they are believers in Jesus Christ. And we have seen the, for instance, we stayed in the, in the home residency of a, a young pastor and his, and his family uh, in, in a very small town just outside, just about 15 minutes from the Sea of Galilee. And uh, he's the only 
not only the only Baptist church, the only evangelical church in his whole village, that whole village. And uh, he is making an impact. The, the Muslim leaders are inviting him to some gatherings because they see, you know, his walk, his witness, his love, his life, his uh, distinctiveness as a believer. That's what the gospel looks like in shoe leather. That's it. Because what you said is exactly right from a theological and biblical perspective. But then what we see as, as believers is we see the gospel impacting our culture. And if it can happen in modern-day Israel, where uh, true believers yeah. are making a difference, sure. brothers, it can happen anywhere. So what you guys are saying, really, when the gospel transforms us, it doesn't transform us to lead us to monasteries. It transforms us to put us in the marketplace. Oh, absolutely. You know, we're, we're not of, but we're definitely in the world. I mean, again, if we take the model of Jesus Christ, the man from whom the gospel is born, I mean, here he perfectly, you know, perfect in every way, but he comes into our context. He comes into the world to deal with the issues of fallen people, the first missionary. I mean, who are we following if we're only to be saved for the purposes of going back to our monastery Mm -hmm. and not influencing the world around us? And we look at our sinful society, and we look at how we as Christians are to engage it, not of the world, but in the world. And we get the bad reputation as we're just the finger pointers, we're the Mm -hmm. Bible thumpers. Let's talk about that aspect of engaging sinful society as followers of Christ. We do have a mandate to be witnesses for Christ. One of the things that sometimes people think when they're, they meet a pastor or they meet a person who's, you know, a church person, that they've been that all their life. Well, you know, um, Dr. Lee Brand has a story. I have a story. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My dad was an alcoholic. Um, I heard the gospel for the first time when I was a 12-year-old boy. We, we had churches everywhere around us, but I didn't go to them, and they didn't come to us. Yeah. But I heard the gospel. I heard a man talking about the beauty of the, and the glory of, of Christ dying on the cross for my sin. And I never will forget, he said um, that the Bible says, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, I believe that. I embrace that. It, it literally changed my life. And, and I was able to see... Um, as a young teenage boy, as I you know grew 13, 14, 15, to see the gospel begin to influence my family such that my dad, when I was 15 years old, preaching my first sermon at a local church in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, he came to hear his baby boy preach, and the, the Holy Spirit touched his heart, changed his life. Wow. Lifetime, you know, uh, angry, PTSD, World War II mm-hmm. vet, alcoholic, abusive, all of that, knelt down on both knees, cried out to God, and the Lord changed his life. And I've never gotten over that. So when people argue with me about, is the, is the gospel enough? Brothers, sisters, the gospel is more than enough. And that's, that's what's oh going to happen. Well, I, I'm afraid to think about my own life. As a teenager, 16 years old, without going into all the details of my story, where I would be today without Christ. I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here right now, I can mm-hmm. promise you that. And I think you probably could share a similar story. So the gospel is in up this conference coming up on February. Again, the dates here. 7th and 8th. 7th and 8th, Friday and Saturday night. What has been simmering in the background to get you to the point where you're actually putting this conference on? Well, you know, I think if uh, you go back like with uh, Miki and Will Addison and some of the things that they've been doing, uh, they tend to, I guess, be somewhat on the, the tip of the spear. Mm-hmm. With a lot of cultural issues, especially uh, in the African-American context that need to be informed biblically. And uh, and I think that's been the genesis of a lot of this. For me, it's just been the hope and, and, and kind of the prayer that, 
Lord, help us to act, but not always be so reactionary. Again, always on our, to, to use a football term, on our heels and not on our toes. We're, we're catching so much. I think this is actually a very proactive step to get in front of something and get in front of people, especially, and say, hey, this is what the gospel says. Here's this, here's this movement. Here's what's going on. Let's talk about what the reality of it is. For me, the hope is it's a chance to take what is maybe the felt experience of a group, not discount that, but check it against what's true. You know, and I think, too, one of the things that, um, as much as anything else, we, we certainly, by hosting this conference, are not trying to create any kind of strife. Um, we're trying to give uh, a platform for people who are really honestly confused over issues and who want biblical foundational truths. That, that's, this is a good place for them to come. But one of the things is we also understand, we know this, is there is an enemy who loves to divide us. Yeah. And brothers and sisters, if ever we needed uh, each other, we sure do need each other now. Yeah. Why don't we run down the conference on Friday, February 7th, starting at 5 p.m., Saturday, February the 8th, 8 to 5. Let's run down some of the speakers. Who do you have coming for this event? Yeah, you know, on uh, on Friday, we've been talking about this as being a 24-hour period of time. Now, it's not running straight through, but it's going to be Friday afternoon at 5 until Saturday afternoon at 5. We are taking a break to sleep. Let everybody yeah. go home. <laughs> but um, right out of the bat, we have, we have some uh, very, very excellent – uh, of course, speakers. And I, I want to say this too, Byron. Your listeners can find more about the conference at uh, gospelisenough.com. There is a web page there. There is uh, all the information. You can uh, reserve the tickets. The tickets are $30 a piece. Um, I just purchased one online, so I know it's an easy process. And I would encourage uh, your listeners to, to go and check that out. They can see the speakers. They can see the conference itself. But uh, beginning on, on Friday, on Friday afternoon, um, right out of the bat, we have, um, you mentioned that there's, there's going to be the setting the tone for the occasion with Will and Mickey Addison. Great, great, great folks. And then, um, Brother Lee, you probably know more about Abraham Hamilton. Oh, uh, yes. Abraham Hamilton um, is a guy who just hands down, when, it, it would be an understatement to say I'm very impressed by him, mm-hmm. by his knowledge of Scripture, but also his, he's got his fingers on, I think, the pulse of where the world is especially as it relates to issues that affect the black community. But him being a constant and clear voice to speak into those issues from a biblical perspective, uh, a super guy. Coming right after uh, Dr. Hamilton is uh, Miki Addison, an amazing uh, spokesperson, a great lady, um, going to be a very valuable voice for men and women in the in the, in the uh, congregation on that evening. And then um, wrapping up with a very powerful message on the history of the social justice movement going all the way back to the 20s. And bringing it up to the, uh, to the current is Dr. Kirk Kilpatrick, one of my boyhood friends. Kirk and I grew up together uh, back when he was just a regular guy. He's one of the most amazing, brilliant scholars of our day, one of the great professors at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. That will wrap up on Friday night, and then we kick back in on Saturday with another great lineup. And I'm sure meals are included on that Saturday. Yes, there are, uh, there are lunch meals available, and, yeah, so it's a coming – all-inclusive. So tickets are how much? $30 a piece. $30, yes, and that includes the whole weekend. Yes, sir. Now's the time really to go ahead and make those purchases. Go yes, online to, again, the website is gospelisenough.com, gospelisenough.com. Get your tickets. They can also find uh, that website on our church website, myfaithbaptist.org. All the information is there as well. Now, is this conference, gentlemen, designed for pastors, or is it open for anybody? I think it's for anybody. Um, I can't speak to the presentations of others, but I have been in conferences with some of these individuals that have spoken, 
they presented a way they can speak to any, anybody in the audience. I mean, from a scholar down to an everyday person. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for myself, it is not my aim to only deal with academia. Uh, I plan to really come away from that. That's not really my style. That's not really what I do. Uh, I will be dealing with this on a very pew-friendly note. Yeah, I really do think it's for all ages. I think it's um, it'd be really powerful for um, uh, young students, high school students, college Absolutely. students, seminary students, obviously, but um, to the average church member in the pew who just needs to be reminded of who we are in Christ and what God's called us to do and uh, to not be distracted, divided, confused, or, you know, uh, become uh, skeptical about, you know, some of the other things that are out there. This is a very, very powerful way to get that done. So the major takeaway would be that you want somebody to walk away with. Mm-hmm. I want them to walk away with full confidence that uh, they can trust the Scripture as authoritative, that good news definition that Dr. Brand gave a moment ago about the gospel. They understand this is, this is what needs to happen. If you go back to the Sermon on the Mount, the words of Jesus, he was talking about changing the world, literally changing the world. When Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, uh, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, he mentions the barbarians, and he mentions a group called the Scythians. And this, these were the bad guys. These were the enemies of the Jewish people and historically were, you know, ferocious people. But they were hearing the gospel. They were responding. And I'm just telling you, if, if history teaches us nothing else, it's simply this, that um, we do not have to remain divided in Christ. Right. We hey, should not be. Yeah, and can we say even the disciples that Jesus picked, handpicked those disciples, they came from some very rough backgrounds, some of those guys. Absolutely. You know, for me, talking in terms of takeaway and kind of pulling all of that together, um, you know, when I look at what we're doing here and taking the thought that the gospel is enough, I always go back to this. The things that we see that are wrong in our world are wrongs inside of a system. Mm -hmm. The way you change a system is not by changing the system. You change the souls that operate inside the system. That's what Jesus does. There were wrongs and social ills in Jesus's day that he dealt with by bringing men unto himself. When you have people who are made whole, people who have been righted can right the ills of a system. Oh, I love that. Dr. Brand, Dr. Sinkfield, I guess our time is kind of slipping away. Let's kind of remind our friends one more time before we say goodbye. The Gospel is Enough Conference at Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett. That address 3755 North Germantown Road, Bartlett, Tennessee, Faith Baptist Church. You go to the website, gospelisenough.com, to uh, get your tickets, get more details. Any closing thoughts for you, Dr. Brand? I want to see you there. I'd love to see you in, uh, in attendance. I will say this. You'll want to stay till the very end because the wrap-up, clean-up batter of the whole event on, on that Saturday afternoon at 415 is Dr. Lee Brand preaching the theme message, the key message, the gospel you is the big guy here is going to close it out? We got the best round. Oh, that's going to be great. <laughs> well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Again, I have special appreciation to my dear friend, Dr. Danny Sinkfield, my new friend, Dr. Lee Brand. Appreciate what both of you guys are doing for Christ's kingdom. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Byron. Bless you, brother. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on today's Mid-South Viewpoint. Appreciate you tuning in. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.